welcome to Autism in the Adult podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Teresa Regan, an adult neuropsychologist. I specialize in brain behavior relationships for those 14 and older. I'm the parent of an amazing teen on the autism spectrum and a certified autism specialist. I am deeply grateful to bring validation, hope, and purpose to individuals and their families living on the autism spectrum. With this mission at its core, I founded and currently direct the OSF Healthcare Adult Diagnostic Autism Center in Central Illinois. My books include Understanding Autism in Adults and Aging Adults and Understanding Autistic Behaviors. For more information and to join my online community for free, visit www.adultandgeriatricautism.com. Please join me in helping individuals, couples, and families thrive while living life on the autism spectrum. Welcome everyone. This is Dr. Regan and I'm your host for the Autism in the Adult podcast. And today we're going to talk about communication and relationships where one or more of the partners or the friends or siblings or family members is on the autism spectrum. I'm going to focus on the topic of improving communication using technology. And we're going to talk about written communication, whether that's emails or texting. And I'm going to focus on why online communication can have a bad rap. For neurotypical individuals, so those who are not on the autism spectrum, they often really value this face-to-face conversation where we're making eye contact. We seem to really non-verbally be fully engaged in paying attention to the content and doing active listening and engaging with our thoughts and opinions and asking the other person their thoughts and opinions. A lot of times when we're raising kids, we'll say, look at me when I'm talking to you. We feel like we receive more information, more pieces to the puzzle than if we're just listening to the words alone. The look in the person's eyes, the tilt of their mouth, the speed and level of excitement in their speech, it gives us a more in-depth understanding and it helps us know that the other person is really with us in this conversation. So what does the speaker mean when he says this? How hurt is this person about what happened? And we use all of these clues to help us navigate this exchange and make it better, make it worthwhile, make it fruitful. And yet, isn't it valid to consider ways in which the autistic individual experiences better communication using technology like text or email than they would in person. After all, part of the neurologic base of autism, part of the definition, is that the individual will struggle to navigate social communication. And that includes this face-to-face nonverbal piece. Many people will say that face-to-face communication is more overwhelming than communication that has this non-face-to-face component, so the technological piece. Some will also say it's more confusing. There's more social multitasking. So let me explain what examples they give. For some on the spectrum, emotions 
and nonverbals feel very intense. It's not that the person has no emotions, it's that they feel their emotions. Sometimes they can't put a word on it, but they feel this emotional intensity and they feel the emotions of the speaker or the listener in their conversation. So having to deal with their own emotions in approaching someone to put words on their thoughts and feelings and say that in front of someone and having to process the emotions of the other person. What is happening in this person's face? Is their voice raised? What's going on with their eyes and their their tone of voice? All of that emotion and nonverbal expression adds to the intensity that people experience when they have that really heightened sensitivity on the autism spectrum, that your emotions are overwhelming to me. So in those cases, I think that the person talking to the autistic individual needs to really take a step back and say, what is my bottom line goal? Is my goal that they'll look me in the eye Or is my goal to have a really good conversation about maybe a complex topic? Because if your goal is to have a good conversational exchange, I would recommend that you consider removing inputs that are overwhelming the individual on the spectrum and not adding to good communication. So for someone who's overwhelmed they may start to shut down and they may really not be able to find their words. They may not hear what you're saying. They may not be able to regulate their own experience in your presence. And that reduces the quality of the actual communication, the actual exchange. So if the goal really is an exchange of thoughts and ideas and concerns, consider removing whatever piece whatever element might actually drain something from the autistic individual that you wish they could use in the communication piece. Also, some people say that it's, it's the multitasking piece. Even if there's not a, a lot of emotion and intensity in the exchange, they can find this multitasking to be difficult. So for example, some will say, I can either look at the person or follow what they're saying, but I can't do both. There's this uh, circuitry that is only kind of has one uh, lane to it, as if in a highway. And I can either have my brain focus this lane on the person's nonverbals or on the words that they're speaking. And did this person just switch topics, or is it my turn to talk? Or have I taken up too much time in my talking? And so this is very distracting. So this is an example, not of the person being overwhelmed, but of the person being distracted by these multiple channels of communication. And again, if the goal is really to have a great exchange of thoughts and ideas, you might want to take out some of those channels. So the person's not as distracted by all these tracks of information they're trying to process at one time. So whatever the reason, it can be difficult to have face-to-face communications with those on the spectrum and really have the individual feel like they 
uh, verbalized their own thoughts and feelings, that they understood you, and that they come away really feeling better for having had this conversation. So what advantages might the written word have? Well, the first could be that it provides time to process. So what happens in an actual conversation is that things happen very quickly and changes occur quickly. So someone's tone of voice changes, maybe the topic changes, and there's this inherent spontaneity to what's happening. It's not planned, it's not versed, it's spontaneously evolving. And the person responds to you and you respond to the person. And that can be difficult for the brain of the autistic who really has trouble with change, right? They have trouble with spontaneity, with the unexpected, with the changeability. And so they may be trying to catch up with what's happening when actually, if we take out the spontaneous flow of the conversation and we have time to write it in an email, these are my thoughts, then we're removing the spontaneity and the unexpected nature in order to emphasize instead the actual content. So that can help. Again, you're removing something that may not be inherently important for the bottom line, and you're allowing the person to read and process the content in their own time without having the pressure of responding in the moment. They also may be relieved that they don't have someone watching them while they're trying to formulate their reaction. They have breathing space. They have time to process and then they have time to formulate, what is my response to that? And how could I communicate that? And so they have this time to process. That's the first benefit. One of the second benefits is that it provides reliable nonverbals in the sense of emojis. So even though we're removing a lot of the nonverbals from this conversation, if it's going to be in written form, the interesting thing about those who are on the spectrum and are using texts or they're using emojis or different graphics in an email is that they often feel very comfortable knowing that their nonverbals are going to be interpreted correctly. So for example, there's little names for all these emojis, right? So one is the face palm, and one is the sarcastic face, and one is the rolling eye face. And there's this agreed upon meaning. They don't have to worry that their face is conveying the right information. They don't have to worry that they're interpreting your nonverbal facial expressions correctly. So one woman on the spectrum said, I don't know what my face is supposed to look like, but I know what the emojis are for shocked or disgusted. They're always the same and I can count on their meaning and I feel more secure that I said the right thing and that people understood me. So there's more of a concrete meaning to some of the nonverbals that you can add to this written information. Number three, written information through technology reduces intensity. And we talked about this a little bit that sometimes the emotion and the face-to-face content really intensifies the interaction. 
The autistic individual may need more space to process the topic without the temptation to shut down in the midst of all this emotion or just feeling overwhelmed. Because once the individual shuts down, he's really unable to process the content of the conversation effectively. So if we have to sacrifice the face-to-face part to really get at a good exchange of thoughts and ideas, that's often much preferable. Number four, it also reduces self-consciousness. So for the individual on the spectrum who experiences social anxiety, it can feel less embarrassing or anxiety-provoking to send an email or a text rather than face-to-face. And this is for a couple of reasons. One is that one of the difficult things in autism is often social approach. So how do I approach this person who's not expecting me to approach them? So whether this is a teacher or an employer or a partner, if we're going to bring up something to talk about, Oftentimes we have to approach a person and raise the topic and they're not expecting it. And we don't know what their reaction is going to be. So this is kind of, again, it's the unexpected, the undefined. It's the anticipation of not knowing what will happen. So when the person sends a text or an email, they're allowing the other individual to read it at their leisure at a time that's good for them. They don't have to risk that the person's going to say, oh, I can't talk to you. I'm very busy because that might feel very overwhelming. So you've sent something out there and the person can process it on their own time in their own way. And then they can compose their thoughts. If the autistic is less uneasy, uh, he may be able to reveal his true self to others in a way that feels impossible face to face. So oftentimes what you'll get with this reduced self-consciousness is that people might reveal things they would never say to you face-to-face, but they might be able to reveal it in written context or through technology. Before I send the wrong message, which would be that I recommend online communication for every exchange, I'll just balance my statement. Really what I'm saying is that having strategies for making in-person visits successful is really important. We'll review these strategies in other podcasts. The intent of this podcast is to help us focus on the value of making choices during certain exchanges. And the choice might be that this is such an important topic that removing some of these other demands on the person is really worth it because the exchange is so important. Let's reduce the social and emotional complexity for this exchange. Let's allow the individual options for expressing his needs and processing input from other people. You might have some of the best exchanges with someone on the autism spectrum when you're sitting in the driver's seat of a car and they're sitting behind you or when you're texting, or when you're talking to each other in the dark. Removing this face-to-face piece can allow this exchange of really important social-emotional information that would have been lost were it not for that moment. The bottom line is that I encourage you to be creative and flexible. Consider the ultimate goal 
And if the goal is to have a meaningful exchange about essential topics, consider offering the autistic space, time, and calm. If the goal is to create opportunities to participate in a social group, you can use strategies that ensure success for that. And we can focus on that in other podcasts. I hope these strategies are really useful for you today. And I hope you join me for the next podcast.